Alrighty, we are on Brachot 36b. So for those in the original text, we are on page 36b, Lamed Vav Amud Beis, and we're on the third line, beginning, beginning with the word Vetepokle. Um, if you are learning in Sepharia, again, we're 36b. And we are actually in the middle of a conversation. We're in the middle of discussing the topic of Orla. Orla is the prohibition of eating from the fruit of a fruit tree that is within the first three years of its growth, of its production, of it producing fruit. So um, that is what we're talking about. What we're going to try to figure out right now is what are the parameters of being considered a fruit to which the laws of Orla apply, and um, and the like. So that's what we're that's what we're going to be talking about now. So let's take a look at the from the word v'tepokle. V'tepokle denaaseh shomer lepri. So we're talking about right now the husks of the caper berry, and we're wondering. We of course can't eat a caper berry that is orla that is within its first three years of production because that's a fruit within its first three years and that is prohibited to eat but we're to, what we're talking about now is the husk of the caper berry are you allowed to eat that if it's in its within the three its first three years if it's orla and we had earlier said that we could eat the husk because the only prohibition is on the fruit and the husk isn't considered the fruit but now we're asking the tapeoglay but let us let, let it be that we're not allowed to eat the husk because it's a protector of the fruit. And the protector of the fruit is subject to the prohibition of Orla, just like the fruit itself is. Where do we know that from? Virachmana Omar, as the Torah tells us. The Torah tells us that you shall consider your fruit to be Orla, meaning prohibited in its first three in the first three years of the tree, fruit tree's production. And what's interesting is if you take a look at the Hebrew of that verse, you shall treat it as orla. Um, the word s seems to be unnecessary. You could have the same Hebrew words mean the same exact thing without including the word s. It must be from the fact that the Torah included an extra word that it's coming to include something in the prohibition of Orla that otherwise would not have been included. And the Gemara tells us, S, the word S is coming to teach us, something that is secondary to the fruit also is included in the prohibition of Orla. And what and what is an example of that, or what is the secondary feature, uh, what is it referring to? Shomer Lepri, it's referring to the protector of the fruit. So we see very clearly that the protector of the fruit is also subject to the prohibition of Orla. And if that's the case, then how could you say that the husk of a caper berry is going to be is going to be allowed to be eaten within its first three years? Wouldn't it, shouldn't it be subject to the prohibition of Orla as a protector of the fruit? So Omar Rava, Rava explains, When do we say that something is considered a protector of fruit? That's only when that protector stays on the fruit, whether the fruit is attached to the tree or detached from the tree. Hacha, um, whereas here in the case of the husk of the caper berry, when the fruit 
is attached to the tree, the husk remains on the fruit. But once the fruit um, falls from the tree, becomes detached from the tree, the husk falls off of the fruit. And therefore, it's not considered a protector of the fruit because in order to be considered a protector of the fruit, it has to be stay on the fruit, whether it's attached or detached. And that's not the case here. And therefore, it would not be subject to the laws of Orla, to the prohibition of Orla, as a protector of the fruit would be. But now Abaye is going to refute Rava's definition of protector of the fruit. Eisvei Abaye, Abaye asks, Pitma shal rimon. So he's quoting a Mishnah right now. And the Mishnah says that the protrusion from the pomegranate, mitzdarefes combines. So what are we referring to here? So number one, we know that a pomegranate has almost that crown-looking thing on top of it. That's the protrusion of the pomegranate. And we're saying that it does combine with the fruit. So what are we referring to? So when we talk about ritual impurity, there are different things that give off ritual impurity. And some of those things can actually make food products impure as well. And those food products, if they touch something else, they can take the ritual impurity that it contracts, that it got, and it could make something else ritually impure. That's only if, though, if the food product is a certain size. It has to be the volume of an egg, a kibetza. So what we're saying here is, is that the pomegranate and the protrusion of the pomegranate combine for the requisite size of an egg to then be able to make other things impure. Vahanechelo, whereas its husk, the husk of that protrusion, ein mitzdarif, does not combine. Does not combine with the pomegranate and the protrusion um, to bring it to the volume of an egg to make it able to give off ritual impurity. So now what are we trying to show from here? From the fact that the Mishnah says that its husk does not combine alma the lab ochelhu. We see from here then that the husk of the pomegranate protrusion is not considered to be food. Because if it was considered to be food, then it would combine to make to get to that um, size of the volume of an egg. So we see very clearly that the husk of a pomegranate is not considered food. Utnan, yet we have a different Mishnah, Gabe Orla, that um, discusses Orla, that says as follows. Klipe Rimon, the shells of a pomegranate, Vehanet Shelo, and its husk of the protrusion, as well as klipe egozim, as well as walnut shells, vehagarinen, and pizza fruit, chayavin ba'orla, are actually subject to the prohibition of orla. So what do we see? We see that the husk of a pomegranate, it's not considered food. The husk of the pomegranate protrusion is not considered food, yet it's still subject to the prohibition of orla. How could that possibly be? It must be, it's because the husk of the pomegranate protrusion is considered a protector of the fruit. Now, what the Gemara doesn't say, but, we're, but, but, we, but, we look, but we know, is that the husk of a pomegranate protrusion only remains on the fruit while it's still attached to the tree, but once it's no longer attached to the tree, it falls out. So what we end up seeing here is that even though the husk of the pomegranate protrusion falls off of the fruit once it becomes detached, it's still considered a protector of the fruit and is subject to the prohibition of Arla. 
which then contradicts what Rava said, where Rava said that the reason that the husk of the caper berry is not going to be subject to the prohibition of Arla is because it's ta- it falls off once the fruit becomes detached, and therefore it's not considered a protector of the fruit. So it must be that Rava is wrong in his definition of the protector of the fruit, which then means we have to understand why would you be allowed to eat the husk of a caper berry? Shouldn't it be subject to the prohibition of Arla because of its status as a protector of the fruit? Ella Amarave, rather Rava says, this is the answer. This is why the caper berry's husk is not considered a protector of the fruit. When do we say that something is considered a protector of the fruit? It's only something that stays on the fruit during the ripening process, during the stage of ripening. Whereas this caper berry, the husk of the caper berry, is not on the fruit, does not remain on the fruit during the ripening stage of the fruit. So that's why it's not considered a protector because it um, it falls off at some point. It does not stay on the fruit during the ripening stage of the fruit. So now the Gemara is going to ask, but is this really so? Is this really so that if you have a husk or a protector of the fruit that falls off during the ripening stage or at some point before the ripening stage is complete, does that really mean that it's not going to be considered a protector of the fruit? But didn't Rav Nachman say in the name of Rabba Baravua, He said that the husk of a date, um, they are prohibited, they are subject to the prohibition of Arla. Hoel v'nasu shomer leperi, because they are considered protectors of the date, protectors of the fruit. And now we have to ask, v'shomer leperi emas have. Now when exactly do they stay on the date and when exactly do they do the protecting of this fruit? Bekufra, it's only when the date is at a very early stage. V'kakari shomer leperi, and yet Rav Nachman calls this husk of the date a protector of the fruit which would then mean that this contradicts what Rabbah just said. Rabbah just said that the caper berry's husk is not considered a protector of the fruit because although it stays on the fruit during its early stages, it does not stay on during the ripening stage. But don't we see from Rav Nachman that even if the protector is just on at the early stages, it's still considered a protector of the fruit and should then be, therefore be subject to the prohibition of Orla. So the answer is as follows. So we say, Rav Nachman Saverla Karabriyosi. You're right. Rava and Rav Nachman are actually arguing. But that's all right, because Rav Nachman is going like one opinion, one earlier opinion, and Rava is going like another, early, a second earlier opinion that they themselves are arguing. So what does that mean? What, 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 which opinions are they going like? Well, as follows Rav Nachman Saverla Karabriyosi. Rav Nachman holds like Rabbiyosi. Ditnan, because we learned in a Mishnah as follows. We see in a Mishnah, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Simadar Asar Meshahupri. A grape bud is subject to the prohibition of Arla because it's considered a fruit. So we see that a very, at a very early stage already, this grape bud is considered a fruit according to Rabbi Yossi and subject to the prohibition of Arla. Upligi Rabbanon Aleha. And the rabbis, they argue and they say no. A grape bud, that early of a stage of a fruit, is not going to be subject 
to the prohibition of Arla. So what does this mean? So we're going to say as follows. Rav Nachman, who felt that the husk of a date that only stays on the date early on, that he felt that that's considered the protector of the fruit. Well, that's because he goes like Rav Yosef, who holds that something's already considered a fruit at the early stages. Like we see Rav Yosef says that this grape bud is considered a fruit, even though it's at such an early stage of its development. Rava, who said that the husk of a caper berry is not going to be subject to the prohibition of Orla because it's not considered a protector of the fruit because it falls off before the ripening stage. He holds like the Rabbanon, he holds like the sages that say that a fruit at its earliest stages is not considered a fruit. Um, and therefore, this husk of the caper berry, because it's only on the caper berry at its earliest stages, it's not going to be considered a protector of the fruit and therefore not subject to the prohibition of Arla. So Rava is going like the sage's opinion that looks at um, early stage fruit, not as fruit. And Rav Nachman is going like Rabbi Yossi's opinion, who says that early stage fruit is considered fruit. So now we're going to ask on this as well. Maskifla Rav Shimi min Naharda. Rav Shimi from Naharda, he asked on this. Ubishar ilani mipligi rabbanon aleha. So yes, we do see that the rabbis disagree with Rav Yossi when it comes to grape buds. Is it considered a fruit or not? But when it comes to other early, when it comes to other fruits and their early stages, do we really see that the rabbis argue on Rav Yossi? Wouldn't it seem? Does it? Isn't it? Isn't it the case that the rabbis and Rav Yossi were actually only arguing about a grape bud specifically? But certainly the rabbis would agree by other trees, by other fruits, that even at the earlier stages they are considered fruits. Bahatnan, like we see in the following Mishnah. We're talking right now, this Mishnah deals with the seventh year. Every seventh year, the land is supposed to remain fallow. The land is supposed to, is not allowed to be worked. And part of the prohibition is you're also not allowed to destroy any producing trees, any, any uh, fruit producing trees. That's also a prohibition during the seventh year. So now we're going to ask a question. So this is what the mission is talking about. From when, from at which point of a tree's growth are we no longer allowed to cut it down during the seventh year? All trees, you're no longer allowed to cut down from the moment that they start to, from the, from the moment they start to bring forth the fruits that are growing inside of them. And they're more specific. And they say the carob trees, you're not allowed to cut from the moment that the carobs start to form chains, meaning it's a pretty early stage in the growth of the carob. And the grapevines, you cannot cut down from the moment that the grapes are yigaru, which means they reach the size of a garua, which again is pretty early on. And you cannot cut olive trees from the moment that the husk begins to develop around the olives. And when it comes to all other trees, you cannot cut them down during the seventh year from the moment that they begin to bring forth the fruits. 
And now Rav Asi is going to explain what this means, what did Beis Hillel mean when they said this idea that the grapevines, you're no longer allowed to cut down from the moment that they form grapes the size of a garua. What is that? Vamar of Asi, Rav Asi explains, who boser, who gerua, who pol halavan. That the word boser, or the grape bud, is the same thing as a garua, which is the same thing as the white bean. Now, just tangentially, we have a little, we're going on a tangent right now. Pol halavan sal does Rav Asi literally mean that a grape bud and a garua is the same thing as a white bean? Obviously not. One's a grape, one's a bean. All he meant is that the word boser, the grape bud, is the same size as the garua grape bud, which is the same size as a white bean. Okay. So with that in mind, so now we just had a we not we just presented a Mishnah where we see where we discussed the stage at which you're no longer allowed to cut down certain trees during the seventh year. So and from the words of Rav Asi, where he tells us that the garua is the same thing as the boser. And we know that the boser or the garua are earlier stages than the smadar, than the great bud. They are even earlier. Um, so before, sorry, before we go on. So again, so what we're saying here is, is that the sages said, or base Hillel said, that um, that when it comes to cutting down trees during the seventh year, um, grapevines you cannot cut from the moment they become the size, the buds become the size of a garua, and then Rav Asi explained that a garua is the same as a um, is the same as a boser, which again is an unripe grape. And now, with that in mind, we ask the following question. Man shamatle de Omar boser in samadar lo. Now, who have you heard that they say that a boser is considered a fruit, but a samadar, but a great bud of an earlier stage is not considered a fruit? The Rabbanon. That would be the sages. Because we see when it comes to Orla, when it comes to Orla, we see that the Rabbi Yossi felt that a Samadar, the earliest stage of a grape bud, is not is considered a fruit, and the sages say that it's not. And they say that a Boser, you are not allowed, once you get to the size, the grape gets to the size of a Boser, you're no longer allowed to cut down that tree during Shvius, during the seventh year, because it's as if the tree has already produced fruit. This then means that it's Rebbe Yossi, it's the rabbi's opinion that is being reflected in this Mishnah that refers to the seventh year. And we see very clearly in that Mishnah, And that Mishnah says very clearly that when it comes to all other trees, you cannot cut them during Shemitah from the moment they bring forth any sort of fruit. So what do we see? So we see as follows. 
we see that this argument between the Rabbanon, between the rabbis and Rabbiosi, about Orla, about what is subject to an Orla prohibition, was actually only an argument when it comes to grapes. The Rabbiosi feels that that earliest stage of grapes, which is Simadar, that already is subject to the prohibition, whereas the rabbis hold it isn't. However, in every other type of fruit tree, it would seem very clear that the moment that the fruit emerges, the rabbis would still hold that it's already considered fruit and therefore be subject to the prohibition of Orla. And if that is the case, then we have to go back to Rava, who tried to explain the case of the caper berry, and ask the following question. We had said that Rava was going according to the rabbis, that the rabbis felt... We saw that by the case of the grapes, they felt that the early stage of grapes is not considered a fruit yet. And therefore, a husk that is only on a fruit for an, during its early stage is not going to be considered the protector of a fruit. And we said that's who Rava was going like. But now that we see that what the rabbi said was specifically in a case of grapes, but in all the other types of trees, the early emerged of fruit is considered fruit then certainly the rabbis would agree in the case of the caper berry that its husk, which stays on during its early stages, would be certainly be considered a protector of the fruit. And it should therefore, we go back to the original question, why isn't it considered a protector of the fruit and therefore subject to the prohibition of Orla? Ella Omar Rava, so rather Rava says as follows, this is the reason that the husk is not considered a protector of the fruit. When do we say that something is considered a protector of the fruit? It's only in a scenario where if you had taken the protector off, the fruit would die. Whereas here, in the case of the caper berry, if you were to take the husk off the caper berry, the berry itself would not die. In fact, there was an incident like this. The Yavashrimona. They removed the husk of the pomegranate, and the pomegranate dried out. It died. Vishaklua whereas they removed the husk of the caper berry, and the caper berry lived. So that is the final answer. The final answer is, is that when it comes to the when it comes to the caper berry, um, to the husk of the caper berry. Of course, if something is considered a protector of the fruit, it would be subject to the prohibition of Orla. But here, the caper berry's husk, if you removed it, the caper berry would still live. Therefore, the caper berry is not, the husk is not considered a protector of the fruit. And therefore, it's not going to be subject to the prohibition of Orla. If you'll notice now, the next part of the Gemara is in parentheses. Generally, when something's in parentheses in the Gemara, it tells us that we can actually skip it because it was something that who's um, that isn't necessarily part of the Gemara. Um, it may have been from a later commentary. Um, it may have been added later. It's um, it may not have been as verifi- verified as the rest of the Gemara. So we're going to skip it, and we're going to skip to a new topic, um, transitioning from agricultural topics now to the discussion 
of the development of blessings that we say on different types of food before we eat said foods. Um, and this will this is obviously very, very relevant because we eat all the time. What blessings do we say on foods? Um, how did those blessings evolve? And what about the complicated cases that seem to not fall in any sort of those categories? So we'll talk more about that um, in our next class. Have a great night.